Today, I'll be interviewing Dr. Dayus Srinivasan, a radiologist currently working at the NIH. Dr. Srinivasan has 22 years of experience and has done extensive research in many areas of the field, such as the application of AI and machine learning to radiology. Dr. Srinivasan is also very involved in global health, providing accessible healthcare to everyone, no matter what part of the world they live in. Stay tuned till the end of the episode to hear Dr. Srinivasan talk about the health disparities that he has observed in rural parts of the world and what he has done to make healthcare more accessible to those populations. Hey, this is Rohan. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a What? Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Srinivasan. I'm a radiologist, and thanks, Rohan, again for having me on. So, Dr. Srinivasan, what exactly does a radiologist do? So radiologists are doctors who specialize in medical imaging. What that means is that a radiologist diagnoses but can also treat certain types of conditions, and they use multiple imaging techniques to be able to diagnose the patients. For example, when a patient comes to a hospital with certain complaints, their doctor might ask the patient to undergo an imaging study, which gives them a better idea of what's causing that complaint. For example, if you have difficulty breathing, you might be asked to undergo a chest x-ray. The radiologist's job is to then study these images in detail to search for any abnormalities or clues that would identify um, a disease or condition that could be causing that patient's complaint. After diagnosing the images, we then would write a report that is sent back to the referring doctor who develops a treatment plan. So being a radiologist is a very broad profession. What kinds of specific areas have you focused on? Good question. So. When you talk about specific areas that radiologists focus on, you can either differentiate that in terms of the modality. Uh, there's many different types of imaging studies that are done, and certain radiologists can focus on a certain type of imaging study, say an ultrasound or an X-ray or a CT. You can also spe specifically target um, certain areas. So, for example, a radiologist can specialize in neurology, in musculoskeletal system, in um, oncology, so different types of that. So. Before I get into that, I'll talk about the different imaging studies that radiologists look into. The most common and the first imaging study that radiologists study was called conventional radiography. So that's your, your standard x-ray. So every time you know an x-ray is taken um, and passes through our body, we get to see that image. That would be like your chest x-ray that would be taken. The next modality would be what we call a computed tomography, which is also known as a CT scan. And CT scans, they use the same principle as an x-ray, but they allow us to pick up very small differences in the x-ray values, which can be visualized. So CT scans are much, you're basically put into this machine, uh, a circular machine. And from that, uh, you get sections of the, of the body, which we can look at through an image database. And that gives us a pretty good uh, picture of how we can get to the diagnosis of the patient. The third common modality is called an ultrasound. So ultrasound is where uh, a high frequency sound is directed into the body from a transducer. So you might be seeing where for pregnancy scans, for example, you'll have a transducer, like a little machine or a little device put onto the stomach, and we'll be able to see the, the fetus or like the baby, um, the heartbeat, every, all the different parts of the baby, things like that. But one interesting thing with ultrasound is that it can actually be used for all types of diagnosis, not just for the pregnancy scans. And it's done through, you know, a sound medium, and that's how we're able to get those, through the sound waves, we're able to get produce a picture. So it's really interesting. And then finally, the fourth major modality that radiologists use is called MRI, which stands for Magnetic Resonance Imaging. 
So that uses the basic principle is through strong magnetic fields. Again, the patient is put through a machine. But the interesting thing with, with MRI is that there's no radiation involved in MRI. So it's, it's much safer than, say, an X-ray or a CT scan. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. I didn't know radiology was such a big field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of different modalities. It actually, there's several more apart from that. Those are the main ones. So when radiologists are going through training, they're learning about each of these modalities separately. A big part of learning about radiology, apart from you know different types of other specialties, is that it all involves a lot of physics. So um, that's the first thing if you ever want to go into radiology is that you have to first understand conceptually the physics of how these different modalities work. Once you understand that, then it actually even helps a lot when it comes to diagnosing the patient. So it's not just about understanding the different types of diseases, but you actually have to know how the machine works. For example, just to take a basic x-ray, right? There's four basic densities that we're looking at on an x-ray. You're looking at fat, gas, soft tissues, and then the bones. So each of these densities, if you've seen a basic x-ray, you'll know that you know the bones look white, they look very bright, and the air looks black or looks very dark. So understanding like why that works, why that happens when you're taking an x-ray, it actually helps a lot even when it comes to the diagnosis. So that's the first step is actually understanding the physics of these different modalities. And then you can get into you know how to diagnose or how to pick up when things are abnormal. Now, would you say you're like a, you work in more of a clinical setting or a research setting? Mm-hmm. So since I've start like since I was trained and started, I work predominantly in clinical. So in, th- in that sense, I was, you know, getting scans sent to me. I was doing ultrasounds as well, getting scans sent to me, and then diagnosing them. For the past year or so, I've been doing a lot more research, and research has always interested me. So even when I was doing clinical, I was also doing a lot of research simultaneously. So I always find that interesting, and a lot of the research that you do associate with radiology is there's a couple different types of research but what i was doing was basically evaluating how accurate the the different types of radiology modalities are in compared to you know what actually is true for example i did research on cancer of the of the throat also known as cancer of the esophagus and i basically tested how accurate a ct scan was um, along with a 3d reconstruction of the throat in detecting the, the cancer of the throat compared to, you know, just the surgical findings. So it's really important. And the reason why it's important to, to do this type of research is radiologists, radiology in particular is, is just, it's crucial for, sur- not just for physicians, but also for surgeons before they go in to operate in the patient, because they need to know what they're actually going to be encountering once they open a patient up. So take this example that I was doing research on cancer of the throat. Um, if the cancer has spread to certain areas, it actually becomes inoperable. So in that case, if let's just say that the, the surgeon, you know, um, didn't have a, an imaging study or didn't have a radiology report before before opening up the patient, and it had already spread to distant organs, they they actually there was no point in them, in them even opening the patient up or doing the surgery. Also, you know, that's a, that that's a pretty important factor, but also just being able to know if the, the the cancer has spread around certain vessels or, you know, what areas of the surgery are going to be more difficult than others, that's very important. So so what I was testing in this research is basically how accurate the CT scan is and kind of different aspects of that CT scan in properly staging and diagnosing uh, the tumor. So that's one type of research. Another type of research that's become much more common and, and interesting these days is with artificial intelligence. So a lot of radiologists are testing um, 
how accurate AI machines are in diagnosing patients compared to, you know, just when the radiologist does them and whether it can be, you know, sometime in the future, whether AI can kind of help a lot of diagnosis as well. So research is very interesting. Well, yeah, I didn't know AI was so involved with radiology. I actually read one of your papers um, published online Mm -hmm. about AI. Could you like describe that or any other research you've done in the field? Yeah. So with AI, I've done, I've done a couple things. One of the, 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 the common AI testings that's been done now is with x-rays. So machine learning has capability of detecting what we call pulmonary nodules. So these are little kind of nodules in the lungs. Those nodules, what a radiologist does, so before we go into even the machine learning part of it, what a radiologist does when they see that nodule is they'll have to be able to differentiate whether it's a benign nodule, meaning that it's just something that is not going to be very dangerous to the patient versus a, a nodule that's more malignant or suspicious that has to go through additional testing. A lot of patients who might have had previous infections might develop these nodules and that might not be too dangerous, but a nodule can also mean it could be cancer, right? So what the radiologist does when they're looking at these x-rays is first being able to differentiate that. And that's what we're trained on. But what this machine now with machine learning capabilities, we're able to kind of input into these machines certain parameters that the radiologist will be testing. And then the machine will be able to also produce, you know, instantly a diagnosis that can tell us whether they, that it feels that the, the nodule is benign or malignant or the, even the precise location of that nodule. So it does help radiologists out a lot. And, you know, it has a lot of impact for the future, I believe. The fact that, you know, if, if there's some type of screening study that, you know, you can just go into and that they can tell you whether you have a higher chance of getting this or, you know, like what the, what the probability is that can really, really help save lives in the future. Because if you pick up even a nodule that might be suspicious for cancer very early on, it most likely will be treatable compared to if you wait too long until you get symptoms, things like that. So it's really, it's really um, interesting. I think the other research that's being done with AI and radiology now is not just with tumors, so not just with oncology, but also with, um, with dementia and Alzheimer's disease. And so it's, it's pretty interesting. I was doing some work on this as well, but it's basically a lot of times with dementia, you're not able, like a lot of patients don't really display signs again until, you know, 60, 60 plus or so. But even with their CT scans and MRI scans, they only really display pretty evident clinical signs late into their stage of disease. I think AI has a lot of implications and it, it will help a lot in the next five, 10 years. I totally agree. So now I just want to talk about your day-to-day life as a radiologist. Mm -hmm. So could you describe like a normal day for you before COVID? Sure. So the interesting thing actually with with radiology is that because there's not as much patient interaction compared to other modalities, COVID didn't didn't impact a radiologist's life that much compared to, say, like an ER um, physician or a surgeon or someone like that. In radiology, there's actually technicians who are performing most of the scans. So uh, a technician might, you know, do the ultrasound or put the patient into a CT machine or an MRI machine, produce the images, and then they're sent, the images are sent electronically to the radiologist. So the radiologist will sit in in a room and usually it's a dark room because we have to see the images and then we'll just scroll through the images and be able to we'll we'll get out like a set maybe 
15, 20 different CT scans or MRI scans in a day. And we'll have to go through and then write reports for each of those scans. So it's, it's very different than being, uh, you know, like a, a regular physician where you're actually seeing patients every single day. Some radiologists do, and I was performing a lot of ultrasound scans as well before COVID. So that that was impacted by the pandemic. But most of the time, it's mainly you get to sit at a computer with your workstation and you just write reports on these scans. So I say being a radiologist is very, it's, it's almost like being a detective, but in medicine, because you get these scans and on the scan, every patient, you know, they might come with similar complaints, but on the scan, you have to be able to have a really keen eye for detail. Um, look at every single part of that scan, because even if a patient just comes in with very mild headache. I, I've, I've seen patients with no symptoms at all where I've diagnosed something very complex. I've seen patients that have that complain of the worst headache of their life and their MRI or their CT is totally normal. So you have to be able to come up with a systematic way to you know diagnose the patient and look at the scans properly. So I'd say before COVID and after the pandemic, it didn't really affect a radiologist career that much because we're still just getting these images sent to us electronically. Mm-hmm. And did you maybe like engage in like telehealth a little bit more after COVID? That that's true. So so telehealth has significantly boomed uh, boomed since the pandemic. I think a lot of radiologists now, and and I was also I've also been getting cases sent to me electronically. So now it's it's not even just cases from your hospital, but a lot of people are are outsourcing. So. Um, because a lot of doctors, even doctors, they're trying to limit during the pandemic when it got really bad, they're trying to limit the number of physicians that were in the hospital at a certain time. So people were going in shifts. So a lot of the imaging studies were actually sent sent home and you just have to log in and access it and be able to telework like that. So it actually became, I think with, with technology, it actually helps a lot now because and it makes it convenient. So you can just sit at your own workstation at home and be able to produce diagnosis at any time. Mm-hmm. And how's your work-life balance? Do you get to spend time doing other things? Yeah, definitely. So I think with radiology, it's one of the fields that when you're in residency and when you're in training, it's one of the most difficult fields in terms of work-life balance. But once you complete your residency, it actually becomes almost like a nine-to-five job. So you do have a lot of free time once you finish work. During residency, you're on call um, all the time. So you, you do have a lot of late nights. There's a lot of studying. Like I was telling you before, you can get scans for any part of the body. So when you're a radiologist, it's not just like you're focusing on the heart or on the, the, the lungs or on the brain. You have to know pretty much every single system of the body because a patient can come to you and even if they have, let's just say they come to you with stomach pain, I mean, you have to know about every single organ that's that's in the abdomen and be able to diagnose and find and pick up on details of what can be the abnormality in that, in that section. So being able to study and learn about all these different aspects of medicine, it's very interesting, but it also takes a lot of time. So when you're trained to be a radiologist, there's a lot of long hours and it it's not just learning about the physics, but you also have to learn about every single system. So that's tough. But once you complete your, your training, the actual work-life balance, it improves significantly. You you basically, it's almost like you're just kind of going to an office and you get these these cases. You have a list of cases that for patients that you have to complete in a day. So you might have 25, 30 MRIs you have to diagnose in a day. 
And once you complete that, you can go home. So maybe once a week, you'll be on call. And, and in that case, you'll be working the night shift. But you pretty much will know your schedule ahead of time because you don't have patients that are directly under you, right? The patient will always be under their their provider. So like under their physician or under their surgeon. Um, and you'll you'll always just be on a schedule. So you'll, you'll have to work from, say, nine to five, something like that. So the work-life balance is very good. So it's a lot less demanding than another you know, kind of hospital setting job. That That's true. And it's also a lot less stressful in the sense that you, you'll never be, I mean, when I was in training, obviously I would go through surgical rotations and a lot of other, you know, high stress kind of professions where, you know, if you're a surgeon at any time of the night, you can be called because your patient might crash or you might have to do like a seven, eight hour surgery. So that can be very um, exhaustive, both physically and mentally. As a radiologist, your kind of hours are set. So that in in some sense, you'll be prepared. There is still some stress because you might, I mean, when you're on call, you'll have to produce these reports within sometimes 10, 15 minutes. You'll have to give an oral report to the, the surgeon or to the physician, especially if a patient is crashing or if they had a, you know symptoms of a stroke, something like that, because your diagnosis does direct what their treatment is going to be. So it's very important that the stress comes in that you, you basically cannot make mistakes when it comes to your diagnosis, because you're dictating what what's going to happen to the patient from that point on. So the stress might not be there from your normal, your hours of work, but the stress is there more from just making sure that you're correct in, in what you do. What do you love about being a radiologist? So I think what interested me in the beginning and, and up to now, it's it's kind of what I mentioned earlier. It's being that detective. Like I, I love just, you know, you get every single time you, you open up a CT or an MRI, it's like this blank slate and you, you have to, you really have to kind of just look at everything and be able to pick up on the smallest details. And and I think there are moments that I've had also, apart from that, especially when you pick up, let's just say, I, I had this moment that I really remember. And it was a patient who came to me for an ultrasound and it was just a normal health checkup. And he was probably like 65 years old or so. And he had no complaints. And when I was doing the ultrasound, I found, uh, I found like a, a little mass in his pancreas. And uh, when I told him, I mean, I think the, this also goes into what's the hardest part of the job is breaking bad news. But when I told him initially, it's, it's never easy to tell a patient when you find something, especially to that extent. But I think the rewarding thing from that is that he came back to me about a year later and he remembered that I was the one that picked up on that diagnosis. And he came and gave me a hug and basically said that because we detected it early, he was actually in remission and, uh, if it if he didn't undergo treatment at that stage, it would have spread and it would have become inoperable. So I think because we picked it up early, it actually pretty much saved his life. And I think those are the moments that are really rewarding. There's there's always you know on a day to day basis, there's always going to be those times where it's tough when you know you might have three or four, especially with pediatric cases, you might find pediatric tumors, things like that. And that's always probably the hardest thing is you know breaking bad news to um, the the kids and to their parents especially when you find something like that but there are rewarding moments and I think that's what I love about about being a radiologist I think also just on a day-to-day basis being able to do that detective work and pick up on different diseases and, and conditions from the scans the third thing is I think just the the connection of technology plus medicine I, I've always loved technology so and radiology is one field that is constantly improving, like we discussed with the artificial intelligence, and it will continue to get better and better and, and as technology improves also. It's, so it's one of the fields of medicine that you just have to constantly kind of be up to date on technology and not just on medicine. And I, I actually really like that. So 
what kind of skills have you learned from being a radiologist? Like, how has it improved you as a person? I'd say just being able first to multitask because you might have to be doing multiple scans at the same time. Like I've had windows where I've had like a couple different, like one ultrasound that I've had to do. And then within like 10 minutes, just run to the, the CT room and be able to kind of produce a diagnosis in that. So being able to switch between different modalities and multitask. I'd also say that the biggest thing that you learn from being a radiologist is just that attention to detail because again you just cannot miss the smallest findings because that might have a significant impact on the patient so i'd say out of everything it's attention to detail Mm -hmm. now i want to switch over and talk about your journey to becoming a radiologist so Mm -hmm. how did your passion for radiology begin so to be honest, I, I actually, when I was going through med school, and, and this is, it happens to a lot of people, is that they'll go into med school thinking that um, they want to go into one profession, but then they'll change, I think, once they experience some of the other modalities. So for me, I when I was growing up and when I started med school, I, I did want to become a surgeon, actually. My, my grandfather was a surgeon, and I used to, when I was a kid, I used to go in the operating room and watch him operate and he had have these like six seven hour surgeries and i just found it so fascinating and so i always wanted to go into surgery i think when i got into med school and especially when i was doing my rotations i actually was rotating in interventional radiology which i can explain about a little bit but it's basically interventional radiology is it's slightly different it's you still are diagnosing but you're actually also treating the patients and you're treating the patients through minimal blood loss so for example you know like if a patient has an aneurysm in the brain surgeons typically would would make a hole in the skull open up and then treat it that way but interventional radiologists they can actually just go into the brain with a very small puncture in an artery in the thigh and just from that puncture they can actually operate in the brain without any blood loss so when i was in when i was in med school i got to witness and and kind of scrub in and help out these interventional radiologists and i found that fascinating just you know, thinking that it's the future of, you know, just minimal blood loss surgeries, things like that. And while they're doing that, they're, they're also seeing the radiology images um, on a picture. And that's how they can really tell, you know, like how they're operating and stuff like that. So I think that experience of being in the IR lab really made me want to go into, into radiology. And then once I actually started radiology, I initially thought I would go into the interventional route, but I, I loved doing the diagnostics and just being able to pick up on the, all these findings and these diseases. Could you describe like the path to becoming radiologist? Like what kinds of education and skills did you need to learn? Yeah, so I would say that um, physics is important and it's more of conceptual physics because radiology involves, I think we did, we talked about a little bit in the beginning, but before you can even get into diagnosing a patient and, and being able to interpret scans, you have to be able to understand the physics behind the machines. And without that, it becomes very difficult to actually practice as a radiologist. So I'd say, especially early on when you're you know still in school, when you're in high school and when you're in college, um, if you do want to go into radiology, I would focus a lot on the physics classes. And then obviously also anything that's related to, to pre-med, so like the biology classes, because you have to have a good foundation of all the different types of systems. I'd say the third thing that's very important is just your anatomy, because if you're going to be able to pick up on what's abnormal in the body, you have to first understand what is normal in the body. So anatomy is very important. And that's it. When you're in med school, that's probably the most important uh, subject that you'll have to kind of master before you want to go into radiology. Mm -hmm. And so throughout med school, what kinds of rotations did you do? How did that add to your passion? 
Yeah, so I actually did a lot of surgery rotations my couple years. And then at med school also, they, they gave us the opportunity to start doing radiology rotations in our first year as well. So I kind of got to experience both. And I did notice also how like every time I was uh, rotating in surgery, even in oncology, things like that, they would they would always just look at the CTs and the MRIs and use that. And it kind of just interested me to kind of to understand why they, like, you know, medicine is changing now where, you know, 50, 60 years ago when my grandfather was practicing, they barely ever even looked at an x-ray or a CT. I don't even think CT was around then. But um, now it's just everyone relies on imaging. And I think that's what I really was interested in in getting into the field. And what kinds of challenges did you face on your journey and how did you get through them? Well, my, my biggest challenge is, again, going back to physics. Like I, physics was probably my least favorite subject when I was growing up. But then I didn't, I didn't know when I first got into radiology that that would be extremely important. So that was tough. And I've always been better at, at math, but the, the physics you need to know for radiology is way more conceptual. There's not much math you have to know. It's, it's all conceptual physics. So that was probably the biggest challenge. I think the other thing is just you have to have the right personality. And this is with a lot of physicians. But what I was saying before with breaking bad news, it, it just never gets easy. And I think even though radiologists, I mean, I, I love the patient interaction that, that I had, but that's that's the biggest challenge is, you know, once you once you find something, like if you find, you know, a brain tumor, and then you have to go and tell that to the family, that, that'll always be the hardest thing to do. I think that's the biggest challenge. And that, that does stay with you. You never kind of forget those moments. I totally agree with you on the physics part, because I also okay. hate physics. Yeah. So what kinds of what kind of advice do you have for people who want to become radiologists in the future? So I'd say um, keep an open mind. It's very interesting, especially if you like technology. If you like technology and you're okay with a lot of studying because radiology, probably radiology, apart from dermatology, it, it requires the most studying out of any like spe super specialty that you're going to go into. So if you're okay with a lot of textbooks and a lot of studying, but it, it is rewarding at the end of the day because you get to kind of diagnose and see patients from every single kind of aspect and you're not just pigeonholed into one field. So it, it's very rewarding. But I, I'd say the best thing is if you do like technology and you're open to, you know, like kind of learning about the future of technology with medicine, then definitely go for radiology. Now, lastly, to wrap up, I just want to give you the time to talk about the Fund for Global Health, what it is, the story behind it. So, yeah. Yeah. So global health has always been a passion for mine. Uh, when I was in India, I practiced both in the urban setup as well as I would go on these outreach programs to the rural areas of India and would perform all, uh, ultrasound scans on these patients just because it's, I think for me, just being able to see the the inequality just in access of healthcare, it, it really struck me and it made me want to make a difference in, in that field. I remember going to a village and doing a scan on a patient who like right away when I started doing a scan on his kidneys, I saw that he was, he had basically end stage tuberculosis that had spread to his kidneys. And when you're at that stage, you'll be displaying symptoms very early on. So I asked the patient why he never went to the hospital. And he said that it was a four-day walk. And if he even left his village, his, his family would starve. So he had to continue working. And he, he was a fisherman. So his, his family basically relied on him for that. And so just the fact that there was not even a, a health clinic or anything in that area, um, it, it it just made me feel like, you know, we have to make a difference in that, in global health. And there's so many patients, there's so many people that are facing that same situation. 
not just in India, but in, in many different places like in Africa. So that's when I came across Fund for Global Health. And they, they do a lot of outreach. So, so their, their mission, it's not even just, you know, providing global health, but they also do a lot of advocacy work. So that was interesting to me, too. So they try to reach out to senators and representatives and get them to increase funding for global health, because it's global health is a very, especially for U.S. funding, it's 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 kind of like a last thought. And yeah, there is some funding, but it's not as much as it should be or that the U.S. could provide. So I've had a, lot, a great experience with Hunt for Global Health. I think there's a couple main things that we focused on. The first thing, again, going back to the advocacy was we got the chance to meet with Kamala Harris when she was a senator. And when I was in Illinois, I got the chance to meet my senator, uh, Durbin, and advocate for global health. And they were actually able to increase significantly the funding for tuberculosis last year. So, th- so that was great because I think tuberculosis, especially in India, it's it's like one of the most widespread. And, and I think it's a leading cause of death worldwide from an infectious, an infectious agent. So it causes almost you know, 1.5 to 2 million deaths per year. So they were able to significantly increase the funding for that. The other thing which I'm, I'm really happy about is that for the past couple of years, I was working on a health app, which they implemented in Nigeria. And uh, this health app, app, because a lot of the health app, health apps that are created now, they're, they're very technical. So it's like, you might look up a disease and you'll get all these information about it, like what the pathogenesis, the treatment, the radiology, all that. But you know, if you're, if you're working in a village, and, and now everyone has access to phones, even in villages, but if you're working in a village, you just might not understand like everything to do for a patient if you get this really complicated app. So what we did, I was working with the fund, and we developed this health app that's designed specifically for community health workers in these villages. So it basically tells them, okay, if a patient has, uh, let's just say a patient comes to you with a fever, what is the next step you do after that and the, the step after that, that will get that patient, you know, to some stage of recovery? And if, if needed, they have to take them to a, a health center, but it gives them treatment that is available to them, not the very, you know, high tech or ha- very expensive treatments that might only be available in the Western world, but it's, it's specifically designed for the treatment that's available in their area. So I just feel like, like apps like that, now that, you know, everybody has access to a phone and has access to apps, it really makes a difference. I think the other thing that we, we also were working on was tuberculosis app. So one main issue with tuberculosis is that when you're on treatment, first is just diagnosing a patient with tuberculosis, but once you start treatment, it's very important that you continue that treatment, whether it's for six months or a year. Because if you stop the treatment, say like after two weeks, and unfortunately treatment does have some side effects, but if you stop it after two weeks, it can actually get even worse. You develop what's called resistant tuberculosis. So what we were developing is this tablet that goes to the community workers and it lets them track all the patients that have started on tuberculosis treatment so they can do follow-up visits and just make sure that the patients continue. So every time they take a drug, they take a tablet every day, they they just press a button on the app and it kind of tracks that they are on schedule for their tablet. So I think things like that, just getting involved in the the community and in, in global health and in, in the villages makes such a big impact. And those like stories that I have of just seeing patients suffer because they didn't have access to healthcare, it, it really made me want to to help in, in global health. And I think Fund for Global Health has done a great job with that. Wow, that's that's really amazing. Honestly, like the fact that you're advocating for these people who don't have access to healthcare is just like we need more people like you in the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but anyways that's that's all for today thanks thank you so much it's a pleasure thank you guys so much for listening 
I hope you enjoy learning about radiologists and what they do, and I hope you were inspired by Dr. Srinivasan's story. If you want to learn more about the Fund for Global Health, I've included a link in the description, so go explore that. Anyways, see you next time.